Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker British Masters preview. I'm joined by two experts from over the Irish Sea, Odds Checker's very own golf tipster, Niall Lyons, and Dylan Byrne from the 15th Club join me. Guys, we were meant to be meeting in person in April to talk about the Masters, but at least we're talking about some kind of Masters this time around, even if it's Lee Westwood who heads the market. Uh, how are you both doing? You okay? Yeah, not too bad. Glad to see the European Tour back, I guess, even though, as you say, like it's not the it's not the best of fields, but uh, yeah, so it's good to see it back. Dylan, how's stuff been with you? Yeah, all good. Yeah, yeah, like you said, it's good to see some golf back again, and we've got got a pretty exciting time ahead of us now over the next few months. So a few majors coming up, so it should be should be pretty good. So before we get into previewing the tournament, I should just say to anyone watching or listening to download the Odds, Check, Odds Checker app immediately. Do it now before we start talking to the golfers. It's the best place to find the best prices, the best offers, free bets, and of course, the best tipsters in the game, including the man on your screen, Niall, as well. The first place you can get his tips when he fires them through early in the week. This is the British Masters preview. As Niall said, the European Tour proper is back after a couple of events with the Challenge Tour in Austria over the past couple of weeks. And that's what we're going to be previewing here as well. It starts on Wednesday. Uh, we are recording this at two o'clock on Monday, so about 48 hours uh, until the golf starts. But yeah, it starts on Wednesday, so don't get caught short on Thursday morning trying to place your bets. And You'll see the lads that Dylan and Niall have tipped up have halved in price because they're good first rounds. Fingers crossed that is the case. Uh, so... Before we talk about the the tournament itself starting on Wednesday, just, I guess, a word starting with you, Niall, about the return of golf. Because from what I've seen, my untrained eye, the only thing I can tell about the return has been maybe a benefit. You know, there are no crowds there, but we're seeing the best golfers certainly seemingly rise to the top. And some young golfers seem to be performing fairly well as well. Are there any angles you're taking from this return when you are looking at these behind closed door events? Well, there are a few things in my, in my mind before the PGA Tour came back, but nothing really played out the way that I thought it would, that, you know, maybe some of the bigger price golfers and maybe less talented sorts would, would find it maybe easier getting over the line with no crowds. I don't think that's really been the case. Uh, you know, as you say, the cream of the crops actually come to the top in most of the tournaments so far. And I kind of expected, if anything, a dip from the best players in the game. And, you know, that kind of second or third grade, getting up and winning a couple of tournaments, of which there has been a couple, I guess. Like, but uh, there hasn't really been anything that has stood out for me that, with the no crowds or behind closed doors events or the break even. You know, I was, I was thinking to myself that, you know, guys who had went in, to the break with no form, may have had a bit more of an opportunity or to have form coming out of it than you know just to start out again. You know, I did look when the PJ Tour came back. I, I looked to the Hawaii events mainly, uh, you know, as a, as a sign of the, of high players, you know, get out of the blocks at the start of the year. And interestingly, there was a few in that event that you know Sandra Schuffler is was one out in Hawaii and he went well. In the first event back at the Charles Schwab, so there's things to look at. Maybe you know if you, you know the, the European tours, like 
goes on does go on all year there isn't really a break there's only a couple of weeks break around christmas where you, you get a you get a bit of a more of a break in the pga tour so i'm looking at the european tour this week it's it's probably a bit harder to gauge how the how the uh how the period off could affect things it's, it's interesting to note as well because of this field it's a very you know it's a european tour based field a lot of the guys who maybe would come over normally from the states to play in it aren't doing so so this is the first competitive goal for a lot of the guys at the top of the market have, have played since the break. So can you can you take any parallels or similarities from from the first event over in the States? Was there anything there or is it a case of we just have to judge each golfer kind of on their merits? Uh, it's, a, it's a lottery for me. I don't think there's anything that you can take from the start of the PGA Tour. It just looks like it, it continued from where it left off, basically. Yeah. Uh, not that really, you know, anyone who was in in great form you know previous to the lockdown has just really continued it's just the the, the events have been the same and, and played out uh, as you would have expected you know that we've seen what's been going on with bryson and you know it, it was pretty easy to predict that he would go well on a couple of events even ram last week uh he actually he was a nice price the start of the week to be fair and he showed a lot at the weekend the previous weekend maybe one that just got away but it's hard to judge, especially this first time out in Europe. But maybe my advice would be to keep stakes slightly lower than than you normally would, and and play it by year for the first couple of weeks. Dylan, you work for the Fifteenth Club. For anybody who hasn't heard you or seen you on on these previews before, you guys do a lot of work on the data side of things. You know, uh, looking for angles for for golfers, for your clients, doing some work with the Ryder Cup as well. So you are very much a numbers man. We could say that Niall's a fields man and you're the numbers man. Is there anything that's that's kind of been flagged up for you in the first few weeks or is it just business as usual? Yeah, we we had kind of looked at um, <clears throat> some of the kind of players that had performed well after extended breaks. So like Niall said, after kind of a winter break or whatever. And they haven't really, Mickelson was one of the, the better performers after a long break and He's been okay since the restart, but nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, I don't think. Um, and we kind of expected one maybe anecdotal thing that the miss in the fairway might be a little bit more penal because, you know, big misses tend to land in areas that have been trampled down or whatever. Yeah. But that hasn't really played out either. Um, so, yeah, it's been somewhat business as usual, really. Um, and looking at all the numbers... It would be very difficult to identify the fact that there's been no crowds or that you know that there was a long break. So, as Niall said, it's it's not really you know it's not really changed all that much. Um, I suppose we've obviously had a lot of winners from the top end of the the market, but I think that's probably just a function of a lot of really good players being in the field. So they're taking up a high percentage of the win. So um, I think that's probably down to that. But yeah, it's pretty much business as usual, really. Let's talk about the British Masters then. As I say, being starting on Wednesday, Lee Westwood is the host this year and it's being held at Close House. It was held at Close House back in 2017 as well, where Paul Dunn chased home Rory McIlroy with the 61 on the final day to win that event. And Dylan, you did uh, a bit of work on the course, uh, both you know analysis from 2017. We've obviously just in the PGA Tour had two events on two consecutive weekends at the same course, although it played quite differently. But at least we have some, um, you know, recent form data to go by. And to what can you know, for, for those people who can't remember the event or don't know much about the course, what can you tell us about it? 
Yeah, so there's been a few kind of minor changes to the course, some rerouting and stuff for this year, but broadly speaking, it's it's more or less the same course. Um, I think the takeaway from last time, obviously having Paul Dunn first and Rory second, they're they're vastly different players. Um, Rory very much a kind of driving long game centric player, and then Paul Dunn exact opposite, pretty much an excellent putter, one of the best putters in the world at the time. Um, so yeah, I kind of had a look back through all the numbers. I suppose at a high level on the course, it's a relatively short course, so it's going to be par 71 this year because they've extended one of the holes to to make it a par 5. Um, but it's going to be a short par 71, so there's, I think it's in like the, the top five shortest par 71s they've played over recent years on tour, so... Yeah, there'll be a lot more kind of a um, lot more full wedges, a lot more short irons into into greens. That's one of the things that we picked up on for players this week. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the key. I think in terms of the course itself, or how you know who we should be looking at. I think the there isn't really a standout um, a standout type of player or a standout kind of you know stat that we should look at for the week because. Like I said, we've got two, you know, looking at it previously, we've got two big uh, big differences. But probably I'd be leaning a little bit more towards the good short game and putters. Um, it's not a particularly demanding course off the tee, uh, well, relatively speaking anyway. Um, you know, compared to the rest of the tour, <clears throat> the the kind of penalty for missing the fairways is, is relatively low. Uh, and the advantage for hitting the long is quite, quite low as well. You're not gaining all that much, so... You know, looking at the top end of the market, the likes of Ryan Fox, you know, his distance won't be a big advantage this week, um, or not as much as it would usually be. Um, so yeah, it's it's not uh, like I said, there's no kind of standout stat, there's no particular thing I'd be looking at. I just probably lean more towards the good short game and pulling pulling players. And I guess the interesting thing there is you talk about the McElroy Dunn comparison, but when even though Rory is obviously very long and that's this you know the center part of his game when you stick him in a in a field you know a british masters field he's going to be one of the best chippers and putters around anyway probably anyway so uh, it's not going to affect him too much when he got the best player of the world until last weekend and you mentioned ryan fox i know niall doesn't need you know ryan fox normally short starts on on niall's shortlist for any european tour event but maybe you can put a line through him this uh, this weekend but no i mean what are your What's your normal kind of strategy with this with this competition? Do you have any memories or takeaways from 2017? Not an awful lot, as Dylan says. Like it's 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 quite hard to quantify what type of golf will go well here. You know, I was looking at the stats there uh, last night that you know Paul Dunn finished fourth, strokes gained, tee to green. Uh, obviously won it. McIlroy finished seventh, tee to green, finished runner up. Jurgard was fifth. Uh, in the Tita Green stats, and he finished eighth. So Tita Green and approach play both figured quite highly on the final leaderboard. Uh, I would tend to, I would tend to go towards the more accurate players this week. I know Dylan says there's not a there's not a big penalty for missing a fairway, but I think the closer you can get to the pins, the more chance you've got of, you've got of holding them putts that. That you really you're you're gonna need to make if you want to get the twenty under par. Obviously, Paul done one at twenty under par. We're probably looking towards the same score again, even though it's not the same quality of field as a couple of years ago. But uh, yeah, I'm looking more, more towards the accurate types this week. Those guys who don't miss many fairways and, and guys who've you know at the end of the day when you come to a course a par seventy one that's playing you know less than seven thousand yards, it, 
it definitely levels the playing field towards those guys who find it hard to compete, you know, on a, on a weekly basis on the longer courses, you know. So I, I'm looking to, you know, mainly guys who, those who, who are more accurate on the tour tend to hit, you know, a fair bit shorter anyway. So that, that's just the, the, the type of golfer I'm looking to this week. Now, Niall, I came over and saw you in Belfast just before um, the coronavirus lockdown at the beginning of March. And you and I said to each other that we'd both be having a few quid on Lee Westwood to win the Masters on the exchange before the event. It's the different Masters, but he, he, tops, the, uh, he tops the list at the moment. The host is the 10 to 1 favourite um, here. I should mention as well that Betfred are the sponsors of the event and they are going a fifth the, for 10 places here. So, you know, most firms, five or six places, Betfred going 10. Uh, Westwood is 10 to 1 favourite with Skybet Hills, Unibet. Uh, sorry, Skybet 888 and Unibet. I mean, it looked to me, we'll talk about some of the guys at the top end of the market and then you can flag up any that, that we've missed out. But, I mean, Westy was playing some of the best golf we've seen him play for a while before before golf stopped, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. And he's a worthy favourite. It was just... Uh, Tishing it last night, and I was wondering whether we'd see any double figures. And I think there's a couple of double figure quotes out there, but I don't think you'll see any bigger during the week. Uh, you know, he was tenth in Turkey, sixth at Nedbank, and then won the Abu Dhabi. Uh, fourth at the Honda Classic when he went over to the States as well, just a couple of weeks before everything shut down. And that kind of form is late years beyond anyone else in this field. Uh, I know you, you look to host an, hosting an event as well is usually a huge negative, but. With the amount of uh, the amount of jobs you've got to cover, of course, the week and the amount of you know uh, media attention you get and the, all the things you've got to do as a host, and that's I would imagine that's about ten percent of what it normally is this week with the way the, the way the restrictions are and the the amount of people that's going to be around the course is going to be very minimal. The amount of sponsors is going to be about minimal. So I think Westwood's job will be. A lot less hassle than what it normally would be, and he's a worthy favourite for me, and probably be hard to beat. At this stage, I don't really know whether I'll back him or not, but uh, I'll make my mind up this afternoon. But yeah, you have a funny feeling that if you back Westwood, he's not going to do the job for you, like you know. <laughs> but uh, he started 66, 65 in 2017. He was land second uh, to Hatton at that stage after two days. So he clearly knows how to go low around here, but uh, maybe at the weekend that year, things just got on top of him a bit. But, you know, this year, a lot less to do is hosting duties and, you know, as I say, just playing out of his skin. The form is, is so much better than anyone has ever shown in this field. And I mean ever shown, really, you know. So, uh, yeah, he's a worthy favourite and he, he probably will be hard to beat if he turns up after the break with his game in decent shape. I guess that's the key. And Dylan, you've spoken before about, you know, whether it's yourself or the 15th club having your own rankings of players. And, and does what you see in Westwood's game and his form before uh, before the break, does that tally with what Niall's saying in terms of him just being a bit of a cut above the rest of this field? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Westwood at his best is, is like Niall said, he's light years above kind of pretty much anyone in the field, really. Um, I think for me... One of probably the interesting things is obviously the the win um, was off the back of, I think it was like seven or eight weeks he took off. And I, I don't think he really played golf in that time. So, um, you know, the break that, it, that he's had, it could potentially be a, as much a positive for him as anyone in the field. So, um, 
definitely very interesting from that perspective. I think just looking at my prices here, I think it looks about the right price for me. Um, I think the potential benefit of a of a layoff is kind of outweighed by the potential risk of just not knowing what sort of form he's in right now. Um, if this had been played back, you know, in April or, or sometime back then, I think he'd be he'd be a good deal shorter than he is now. Um, but yeah, I just think the unknowns for me is probably going to put me off him. But I think the price is is roughly right for me. Yeah. We'll move on next to the to the only other player shorter than twenty eight to one, so you can see how open a field it is there, and that is Thomas Detry, the very talented Belgian, is sixteen to one at the moment. Somebody who doesn't necessarily, in my mind at least, Dylan, um, you might be able to tell me differently, doesn't really fit in with that with the 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 kind of golfer you said you need around this track. He's fairly erratic off the tee, hits the ball a, a fair distance. What do we make of his chances this weekend? Yeah, um, he'd be one. I've done a kind of a brief model for players just for this course, just looking at because obviously, like I said, it's going to be a lot of shorter, shorter holes. Is uh, he's like five par fours that are under four hundred yards, so it's and the, the par fives are quite scorable. Um, yeah, he doesn't really fit the mold. He's probably going to be looks like maybe half a stroke kind of penalised just from his game, so that pulls him back a little bit. Having said that, he's still, um, you know, he still is. Ratings-wise, he's the second-best player in the field, so he's justified in being in the position that he's in. Um, I mean, I suppose the course fit element would be a concern for me. I think the other thing is just kind of his ability to win. Um, you know, he's never really shown much in that sense for me. So I think at the price that he's at, he's probably a little bit short um, in terms of winning, but I would expect him to be, you know, just purely based on his quality, I'd expect him to be there, thereabouts. But um, yeah, it wouldn't be a a backable winner for me. No, do you agree with that? Yeah, clearly the the second best golfer in the field, so to speak. But he, he's disappointed me a bit, maybe in contention over the last couple of years. You know, he has been about a few years now, and there was a lot of expected of him. I know he got the the World Cup win alongside uh, Thomas Peters, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. Uh, so uh, he he has experience in that kind of thing, but it's it's as, as Dylan says, it's a short enough price. Right? I think he's around 14, 16 to one uh, to get the job done. And on so many occasions, he's got towards the top of leaderboards over a weekend and really failed to hang around on the back nine on Sunday. You know, uh, it's not as even it's not as if he's been even in the hunt an awful lot over the last four or five holes of a tournament. He's kind of disappointed at that stage. So. Uh, yeah, he could clear. He could clearly, you know, it could be a breakthrough win for him. Who knows? But you know, I think for most people uh, having a bet this week, they could probably let it slide around that price. Yeah, one of those you wouldn't be too gutted to see him win uh, fourteen, sixteen to one. I would say. Um, we're talking now about a player who um, I think if I could choose any player on tour to go for a pint with, it would probably be Eddie Pepperell. Uh, or maybe maybe be more likely a large glass of red wine, uh, judging by his Twitter feed. Um, certainly very entertaining off the course. And for a while, you know, was was very entertaining on the course too in 2019. But we haven't seen much of him uh, in 2020. A couple of miscuts, um, a bit of form over in Dubai with an 11th place finished. And then was then a DQ out in Qatar. So, we, I mean, he... We don't know how much golf he's played. Dylan might be able to help us out here a little bit because I know you do some work with him. Um, but certainly another one who who has the the talent and maybe the game to 
to, to take it up on this course. But, you know, we have those unknowns about, about his form coming into it. Yeah, um, I'm not too sure how much golf he's played either, actually. I don't know if he's been playing a lot in the last while. Uh, yeah, he's an interesting one because he would have been, when I, when I initially looked at the prices, he would have been one that it looked a big price, um, mm. you know, at, at, as a kind of standout. But then I looked into it a little bit more and, and obviously ran my own prices and, and looked at, he came out around 41 for me. Um and I was surprised by that as well, actually. And then uh, had a look at his form this year, and just yeah, twenty twenty hasn't really happened for him. Um, so I suppose that's probably the reason why. And and I suppose, like you said, there's a big question mark over, like most of the players in the field, there's a big question mark over how much they played and how they're playing. So, um, yeah, a tricky one. I mean, at twenty eight to one, it, it might be worth a shot because he's. He's got one of the highest peaks in the field, you know, when he's at his best. We've seen him, you know, like the players and, you know, when he plays really well, he, he really plays, his peak is probably higher than 99% of the players in the field. So, um, seems to be a player for the, you know, the big occasion as well. You look at his best career finishes, you talk about the players tied sixth to the Open as well. He's won, he's come second in the Irish Open, second in the Scottish Open. So all of these... I don't know, maybe more flagship European tour events. Uh, and then, you know, you add the players to that as well. He seems to to enjoy the bigger occasion. Yeah, he likes Lynx Golf as well. Like not that this not that this is really a Lynx golf course, but you know, it's uh it's a homegrown event played in, in cold enough weather and there there is some, you know, fescue grass about the course to, to punish some really wayward drives. It's not really not got the look of a of a Lynx course, but nevertheless he's got the form and he, that's part of the world as well. And he's done an awful lot of work on his weight over the last couple of months during lockdown. I think he's lost two, two, three, four stone by the looks of the wow. pictures and the videos that I've seen. Anyway, uh, uh, as Dylan says, obviously we don't know how much golf he he has been playing, or how much red wine he's been drinking. Uh, <laughs> it could be, as Dylan says, come out for about forty to one, come out for a bit less than that for me. But nevertheless, he's a risky play. Probably he is, and he. He's even consistent, or he's even inconsistent when he's at his best. You know what mm. I mean. Some of them best performances have been throwing in, you know, terrible performances in the next couple of weeks. So he's a hard one to gauge in the market. Uh, so his price probably looks about right to me, and you know, it's a chancy one. Well, let's talk about the golfers then, who the prices look wrong because there aren't many flagship names here. So I don't mind us not touching on the likes of Ryan Fox, Ross Fisher, Marcus Kennel, unless we want to. So, Niall, you've been through it a bit. Which players stand out for you at their current prices uh, at the moment? Well, I've got a list, of a short list of about 10 here at the minute. Uh, Perfect. That's the way, that's the way Mondays <laughs> usually start for me. And whether I can get this list down to five or six by the end of the day is, a, is another question. But uh, Westwood was actually top of the list. I, I, I still may choose to back him. Uh, I suppose I'll go from... I'll go from the top on the, the ones that I think are probably the most value. I quite like Jack Senior. Uh, he was he, his twenty twenty season was pretty impressive so far. Uh, fourth in South Africa, he was thirtieth in the Abu Dhabi, and then two top twenties in Saudi Arabia and uh, Qatar. He's got two Challenge Tour wins in in the the British Isles, so to speak, as well. He won Galgorm Castle. And uh, he won in Scotland as well, uh, a four-hole playoff that time in Scotland. So he's got a lot of form around here. And 
I think he's, you know, just even looking at the world rankings, he's not that far down the list. You know, he's, he's ranked about 25th uh, in the field in world rankings. And, you know, I think there's 80 to 1 about out there. And, you know, I think there are the prices that I'm going to be looking to this week, probably chancing a, a right few, whether, whether I go with Westwood is another question, but I'm looking towards those kind of prices. Uh, Kalish Samuja was another one. Uh, I think I think Englishmen, English, Irish, Scottish uh, and Scandinavians tend to win a lot of events around England and Ireland, so uh, being a Scandinavian helps. But he was third in guitar as well before uh, things shut down and second in Cron. Uh a runner-up finish, beating in a playoff. That there was another six, six or seven-man playoff in Cron. Uh, and that's a tight track, short track, as well. So I think that's a perfect combination, showing form at Cron and third and guitar. Because that, like we know the links connotations with the guitar event as well. So he wasn't out of the top twenty in a, in a run of four events last year as well. The French, Portugal Open, Turkish Airlines, and a top ten the Ned Bank as well, which is a top-class field. Uh, one of the Rolex events, so I think he's around 41. He was playing quite well before the lockdown, so uh, I quite like Samuja's chances. I heard you, you smiling there, Dylan. Is he on your list as well? Both of them are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, are you sure you just didn't do any prep and you're like, I know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wait and hear what, Dylan, what, what Niall says. I'm going to say, ah, oh, that's the same as me. Ah, uh, you've rumbled with me. <laughs> um, yeah, no, both of them were actually, they were probably. They weren't like my top two picks, but they were, yeah, they were there. Um, yeah, senior, I've got him with 66s and, you know, bit of form. I think I've backed him a lot for top 20 uh, over the past year or so and had a bit of joy with that. So, um, yeah, good player. He'd be, he'd definitely be there for me for for a lot of those reasons. Um, and Samoja, yeah, he's he was probably another one the the little drawback for me was that a short game isn't great. Um, sort of around the greens and on the greens is is not, you know, it's definitely not the strength of his game. So that's possibly a little drawback for me. But I think just purely on quality, I think he's, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's at kind of forties, forty five. So I think that's a pretty decent price. His price probably about right. Like I'm not overly keen on his price, like, but uh, as you say, I think just some of the classy play over the last twelve months, you know, puts him in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, in that range as well. I quite like uh, Langask. He was another one. Um, he tends to be... He's quite a solid performer. He tends to be sort of underrated a lot for some reason. Um, so, yeah, he'd be one. He's, he's pretty solid all round, which is kind of what I'm looking for at this course, just someone who's, you know, maybe not spectacular in any areas, but generally quite solid. Um, and... I'll dive a little bit further into the field, maybe. So uh, Laporta would be one um, a little bit further down. He was 160s, I think, last time I checked. But I suspect that might disappear relatively quickly. Laporta, um, did you say? Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was flabbergasted by that price this morning as well when I looked. Couldn't believe it. He's on Francesco my list. Laporta, yeah. I think the two, didn't he missed the last two cuts and then two challenge to our events or something might have contributed to that price. But such a price. I think he's ranked... As I say, I was just looking at the world rankings. 11th in the field he is, like, the porter. Yeah. I'm glad I got in heady on this one because I would look very suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he's, he's good. He, he's actually he's quite straight. He gets a straight ball too, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, very straight. Uh, tidy short game. Um, yeah, he's, he's actually quite high in, I mentioned the kind of course fit 
model that I've done is, is quite high in that. I think he's like top 15 in the field, just in the, you know, in the fit relative to his normal performance. So, yeah, I'm making him kind of, you know, around 66 is maybe a little bit higher. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's he's a big price. He'd be the, the pick of the field for me at the, the current price. What did you what did you make of Adrian Ace? I I had him third favourite plan. And I, I wasn't overly keen on on his chances this week. Like I wasn't I wasn't busting the back him, but when I looked at the market this morning I saw fifty to one. I couldn't believe I, I had him half that price, you know, basically alongside the likes of Pepper. Any chance uh, you're betting at eight 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 support a new bet Niall? Because that fifties is all gone. A couple of blue squares there. So oh, has it <laughs> no no I've been lucky enough to get any of that. <laughs> but he was sixth in Cronsters year and, and second at Falderama last year as well. Another course that obviously demands accuracy. Uh, you know, he was 11th last week in that challenge to event too. I thought there was a lot more going for him to, you know, than the 40 to 50 to 1 that was out this morning. Yeah. Looking at the price here, yeah, I've got him. Um, it looks roughly about right to me, that price. Uh, yeah, I think he's he's showing a little bit of form. I think he's a player who's improving. Um, I've, you know, I've kind of had an eye on him over the last last year or so as well. And he, he looks like somebody who's, who's on the up. So I think, you know, maybe our ratings might lag a little bit behind on some players like that. So, you know, he might be a little bit shorter than that. So it could be a, could be a good shout, yeah. I'll run, run through another few players here, George, if that's... Yeah, do if it. If you want to. Absolutely. Uh, I've got another four or five here to mention. Uh, one of them is Natural Vera. It's a, it's, a, it's a long shot, but he's he's won four Challenge Tour events, and his best performance has come on tighter tracks. Like I know this isn't necessarily tight, but they come on tighter, shorter tracks. He's fourth in Cron, third in the Italian Open a few years ago as well, which was another tight three-lane track, and Trophy San, which was another one of the tightest, basically on tour in the last number of years, beating in a playoff and that. Uh, I think he's three figures around 150. Uh, Drysdale, last time I've seen him was uh, getting beaten in the playoff to Campillo and Guitar. Good form. Mm. Yeah, two top tens in Irish Open events. You know, this side of the water as well. Uh, you know, the breaks, are, you know, Drysdale's hard to win with, obviously, anyway. Like, but, you know, I thought 200 to 1 was slightly big for someone who was, you know, beaten in the playoff last time in a big event. Uh, I quite like Grant Forrest around 80s. Uh, he was sixth in the Trophy of Sand, fourth at the Irish Open in the Hinch, two top tens in Mauritius as well. He's, you know, over the last 12 to 18 months, he's shown, you know, quite decent form in the European Tour. Uh, maybe not quite given the respect that he deserves for that. And I was reading an article about him this morning, actually, that his girlfriend works in a, in a hospital in Edinburgh and was treating coronavirus patients and I think he was saying that he was quite worried about her, you know, over that period of time. Maybe that just adds a bit of perspective too. You know, he was playing, he was playing well enough anyway. Uh, so around eighties looks big enough for him. I think we should mention Marcus Armitage. He won the Euro Pro Tour event here at Close House uh, a number of years ago, and he was playing all right before the break too, third in South Africa, and he played in the final group that Sunday with Ushazen. Uh Grace came through the field and blitzed him in the end. I think he shot a 62 in the final day. But he was 12th in guitar as well. I think he's sitting at around 80 to 1. Well, he's probably the Euro Pro Tour win here has affected his price of fur, but like you would mm. probably expect upwards of triple figures at least. Uh, but I thought he was interesting. 
Very good there. So yeah, Armitage, as you say, 80 to 1. In short, it's 40s elsewhere. So um, that price might go a bit. Drysdale, 200 to 1. Uh, Forest, 80 to 1. I mean, if people tuned into this hoping to get one bet, now you're giving them about 15. So that's the good news. Um, Dylan, any more? Or is that your list as well? Have you, has, has Niall just rattled off your exact yeah, short list? No. Or, you, <laughs> no, or can you add any others? Yeah, the only other one for me, I think, uh, Johan Veerman is... He's a, yeah, I'm looking at his numbers and he looks really solid. He's another one who's, like I said, he's really good all around. Um, good putter, which, you know, can only help around this course by the looks of it. Um, he's slightly lower. He's not as straight uh, as some of the other players that we've talked about. He's a little bit lower in the fairway percentage, but I just looked at the kind of the top end um, last time here and, yeah, it didn't really didn't affect him too much. I think Don was actually below average in, in driving accuracy last time. So I'm not too concerned about that. But yeah, just looking at his quality, I think he's kind of 140s or something as well. Um, or was, again, last time we checked. Yeah, he is, yeah. Might disappear as well. So um, yeah, he'd be one He'd be one for me, I think, as well. He's a, he's a good up-and-coming player. Um, I think he's had, a, you know, he's had some good finishes all around the world as well. So he can kind of do it in different courses. And, so yeah, he should be interesting. And just before I let you both go, um, Dylan, I'll come to you first because because no, you mentioned Croix and Valderrama. Are there, are there any course? I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit, so if there isn't, just say. But are there any courses or events, just in terms of of looking for an angle that you would recommend people who want to do their own research look at for a bit of a form line? Uh, not specific courses, no. I kind of look at that to see if there was anywhere that was um, that there was a clear sort of correlation. But it's it's there's nothing popping up, just mostly because it's sample size, I think. But um, yeah, people if they want to look at their you know their own kind of stuff, I'd look at shorter par four scoring, um, and you know probably approach play from yeah like one hundred to one seventy five. The kind of the the short. Short approach shots will be key, um, and I'd look for better short game players, really. So the yeah, chipping and putting, I think, would be, you know, if I was leaning one way as opposed to short or long game, I'd, I'd lean that way, as I said. So they'd be the kind of, there's not a huge amount of this course, like you said, about the, you know, stats to pick out, but that's probably the way I'd lean on it. Good stuff. And if I had to press you both, if you had to bat one, one player in the field, Dylan, and I'll come to Nile after. Right now, at the prices, who would you take? I think I know the answer. Yeah, I'd, I'd take Laporta yeah, at that price. Quickly. Laporta at 160 to 1, my bet 365. Nile. Yeah, well, I would definitely agree with Dylan there, but if I had to choose one at the minute, it would probably be Arnaise. Uh, somebody off the back of the performance last week was half decent uh, after a long break and probably forgetting about uh, the top couple in the field. Uh, Westwood and Pepperell, let's say, he probably has the most uh, potential out of, out of the lot in behind. So Adrianus is 40 to 1 pretty much across the board. That 50 sadly has already gone. Niall, when can we expect your preview to be out um, on the Odds Checker app? It'll be out. Uh, it'll be penned and finished by uh, this evening, sometime this evening. So probably be published in the morning whenever you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so t- hopefully by Tuesday morning, Niall's uh, preview will be up on the Odds Checker app. Make sure you download it. As I said, 
at the top. It is the best place to get all the best prices, best bookie offers, free bets, and of course, all the odds checker tipsters across racing, football, and of course, golf, which is Niall himself. Thank you very much, Niall, for joining us. Thank you very much for Dylan, as ever, as well. The 15th Club doing fantastic stuff in the world of golf analytics. Hopefully, when we speak again, it might be about the first major of the season in just a couple of weeks. 